podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco Boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time to get back on the mic and talk about some K-State sports. Uh, First and foremost, anyone who is in Kansas or really the greater Midwest, I hope you're staying warm. Uh, I mean, uh, as a noted uh, winter-over-summer person, um, even this cold, highs in the negatives, is a little bit... Much for me, but but I will say this. Uh, it is quite easy to throw on some sweatpants and a Charlie Hustle crew neck sweatshirt uh, and, and hang out under the blankets uh, and stay warm. So uh, even this has not shaken my uh, stance that I, I prefer the winter over the summer, but it has been cold. I hope all of you guys are all right. I hope... Uh, you're all charged up because, hey, it, it's another big week. You got two men's basketball games uh, in Bramlage Coliseum this week. You got the women on Saturday as well. Uh, so, obviously, even as it warms up, make sure you're taking the proper precautions as you are uh, making the jaunt from your car to the arena. All right, we got a little bit of duality of fan is what I'm going to call it. Duality of being a fan. Um with the super low lows of the men's game and, and, and some pretty high highs uh, with the women uh, taking down Texas in Bramlage Coliseum. So we'll talk about uh, first the men's game uh, and then uh, what I'll be looking for, hopefully in a bounce back versus Baylor. And then uh, we'll touch on the women in that big game and, and really kind of take a peek to the KU game on Saturday. They have a midweek game as well. Um, but we'll, we'll take a peek at that one. Then we'll end with uh, football news. Again, nothing crazy. Again, I, I, I'm of the belief that uh, Dante Cephas is a Wildcat. I uh, have not seen anything announced yet, so that's the weird thing about transfer portal stuff. He might just be going to class on Tuesday. Uh, and, and once that becomes official, we'll probably bring someone on uh, who, who's watched a little bit more of his tape and talk about what he might bring to the offense. Um but, but I'm going to talk about uh, watching the Washington Huskies coaching search uh, and, and what I think that kind of means for the future of the Big 12. It might be a bit of a stretch, um, but maybe not. So we'll end with that, um, assuming that we have time. Um, I don't believe we're going to have a show on Wednesday. I'm looking at having a show on Friday. Um, so it'll be a Monday-Friday week here at Bosco's Boys. Um Should be looking to get uh, back to Monday, Wednesday, Friday next week. A lot of stuff stuff going on at the Secret Day job. I'm planning on getting down to Bramlage on Tuesday for the men's game versus Baylor. Uh, So so the schedule and and had a uh, cancellation on a possible interview show. So we're not going to have anything on Wednesday, but we will be having a show on Friday. Keep an eye to Twitter. Uh, Might be doing a January Q&A episode so stay tuned for that 
got some great stuff. As always, I want you guys to reach out and let me know your guys' thoughts. Um, I'm probably still pretty in my feels about that uh, Texas Tech loss. Uh, but but I, I think maybe I, I can find some um, positives. I think maybe I can find a silver lining or two. So let me know uh, on Twitter, at Scott Wildcat, at Bosco's Boys, what you guys think. If you agree with me, am I melting down too much? Not melting down enough? There's a chance maybe some of you think I'm not melting down enough. Uh, so as always, reach out and let me know. Uh, before we get into it, let's give a shout out to Charlie Hustle. I, I talked about them a little bit earlier. I'm rocking their crew necks, and, and, and they have been my best friend through all of this. They're comfortable, they're warm. Oh man, it, it, it is literally the best. Uh, last week, they dropped their K State uh, five piece collection, uh, K State basketball stuff. Uh, boom, surprise. On Sunday, they dropped a hoodie collection for all of their collegiate. Uh, licenses in the k-state one it's a lavender one and folks i i'm telling you i'm not trying to be hyperbolic uh it's one of the best looking hoodies i've ever seen so get over to charliehustle.com grab your hoodie again it's lavender for the legends on saturday Uh, so if you're going to the k-state oklahoma state game you better have some lavender now i mean we're it, it would be close it would be close if you order it immediately after you listen to me, there's a chance it might get to your house by Saturday. Uh, but if not, you can go down to the Country Club Plaza, check them out, uh, get get you some new K-State lavender from Charlie Hustle. All right, let's talk about the men's game as much as I don't want to. Um, look, it, I, I'm going to start with the negatives. I'm going to kind of rant. I'm going to kind of get my feels here. Uh, I'm going to be sad. Uh, We'll talk about some of the individual performances, and then I'm going to try to find a silver line as we all start to try to get ready for uh, the Baylor game on uh, on Tuesday, 7 p.m. ESPN Plus. Uh, That that was one of the more disappointing games, and and and, you know the the Nebraska game that filled we filled me with rage. This Texas Tech game filled me with absolute sadness i i went on with uh ryan gilbert of go Powercat. he had a post-game twitter space um conversation i went on with him and it was immediately after the game so my emotions were even more raw uh this game for k-state it wasn't about hey uh you gotta get this win hey you gotta beat texas tech like it was with west virginia um, and, and honestly, we'll be on Saturday with Oklahoma State. Um, although, you know, w- with this type of season, almost every home game you, you got to have. But uh, it, it was one of these games that was going to erase a mistake. Um, it was a quad one win. Uh, Texas Tech was in the 30s uh, in the net rankings. You're playing that on the road. And it was one of those games where um, if you just weren't up for it, you chalk it up to winning's tough on the Big 12. Texas Tech way better than any of us anticipated, and it sucks. And, and you're going to be frustrated about uh, about some stuff. But but the way the game went, um, having a 20-0 run basically to end the first half, um, and being up by eight, I believe, with 340 left or whatever it was, that that's what makes us hurt. That that that's that's what really kills you because uh you need to 
you need to nip some of these road wins when you can get it in the Big 12. Uh, we're not. Uh, this is not a team that is capable of contending uh, to win the conference. Um, I, I don't think it's a team that's even capable of going deep in Kansas City. Um, but getting to the NCAA tournament would be massive for Jerome Tang to go back to back. Uh, because so many coaches, you know, in the first two years, they might have a great first year and then come back to the pack in the second year. Hey, they didn't get out of blocks in the first year, and hey, they can get to the tournament in the second year. I, I think we fail to realize how tough it is for a coach at a new school who really did have to build it up uh, from from the ground up, which that's just how college basketball is. I don't I don't think anyone is going to inherit a team. Um, you know, with seven returning players and then go at it. What, what Jerome Tang did uh, was miraculous, but that's just what you have to do in college basketball now when you take a new job. Um, but but getting to that second NCAA tournament and back-to-back years, and then once you get there, who knows what might happen. Um, that, that would be massive for this program, and that's what irritates me. Um, beating Texas Tech, getting to 3-0, and then coming home to play Baylor in, in what would be a, a wild arena, I'm sure it's going to be it's still going to be a great crowd. Um, but that would have taken things to the next level, and you wasted that opportunity to get a Q1 win. You wasted an opportunity to get a road win versus a team with a pulse, and and, and I'm scared that's going to come back to bite K State. That's really really what it comes down to, and. I, people hate it when I say this, so some of you are going to roll your eyes. Um, but it, but it would have hurt less. It would have. I, I wouldn't say I'd feel better about the future of the team because that's not true. We'll get to the silver linings part here in a bit. Um, but I, I I would have come away from that game just like ah, eh, a little deflated, not not feeling like a punch in the gut. If you would have lost the game, how it looked like it might go in that first you know seven eight minutes. Um, and that's a little bit of the of the confusing part. Um, getting utterly outplayed um, in the first whatever eight minutes and the final eight minutes to the extent that we did um, truly is wild. Um, playing that poorly to come out and to end the game, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. Now, uh, could it be? Uh, you know, Arthur Kaluma and uh, Tyler Perry. I mean, th- that might have been the most hostile crowd these guys have ever played in, in front of. Now, there, there's some good good crowds in the Big East, and I don't know exactly every road game Tyler Perry played in um, in, in the American, but is there a chance that those two guys uh, getting their first taste of wild crowds maybe, you know, sh- shrunk a little bit? Uh, I'm not sure. That's probably unfair to them. Um, maybe it was the entire team. Hey, this is the first time they've had to play in front of a hostile crowd this year. Um, it took them a while to get into the game, and then in, in the biggest moments, they shrunk a little bit. Um, I don't have a great answer. I, I wish I knew. I, I wish I could w- wave a magic wand and figure out, you know, is there something, was there something tangible uh, that in the first eight minutes and the final eight minutes, they just didn't have it. I, I just don't know. To some of the individual performances, I, I know a lot of folks 
initial instinct was to go after uh, Tyler Perry for the end of the game sequence. Um, I'm not mad that he had the ball now. Jerome Tang in his uh, post-game press conference said that the game plan was to try to get to the free throw lane, to try to get fouled. Um, I don't. If that was the plan, I, I, I don't think Perry really executed to it very well. It kind of looked like he, he went away from the contact, got, got a bad shot up. Um, but I don't have a massive issue him holding the ball, kind of bouncing it around, uh, you know, when we had the ball with 30 seconds to go, um, or or what happened in, in the final eight seconds. You know, he's already hit, a, a, what, two or three clutch shots uh, that either sent games to overtime or won games for us so far this year. I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, I, I do think we, we saw, you know, the good and the bad of Tyler Perry. Again, he absolutely took over the game for a section in that uh, first half. Um, but he was absolutely ice cold, uh, what, the entire second half? I think he hit one shot um, in the first or in the second half. Uh, and then what? He ultimately ended up going four of eleven from three. Um, yeah, and I think he made. I mean, he might have made all four of them um, right, you know, in, in a row. Um, but but we saw it. We, we we saw the good and the bad uh, from Tyler Perry. One of four from two. Um, we saw four assists. You know, uh, again. Uh, and then you also have four turnovers. I mean, hell, the entire team turned the ball over. I'm not going to pick on them for the turnovers. Um, but we saw exactly uh, the pluses and the minuses of Tyler Perry's game. And, and I think he just kind of is who he is at this point. Um, I'm very happy we got those four uh, three-pointers. Uh, I'm not going to turn my nose up at that. Um, but but, but at the end of the day, when, when he needed him most, he, he, he didn't get that bucket. And it's not just on him. That final eight minutes, anyone gets a bucket, uh, you're maybe looking like you're getting out of there with a win. Cam Carter, if he gets another bucket. Kaluma, can you find a way to get the ball to David Gasson and let him score? Um, Will McNair, uh, he ended up with nine points, five blocks, uh, nine rebounds. But also, again, five turnovers, um, especially during that cold start uh, of the game. Uh, K-State only had 10 assists on their 22 field goals. Uh, that's actually not that bad. Uh, 22 field goals sucks. Um, only getting 50 shots up. Uh, you know, you have those 10 turnovers. I think that's what, uh, you know, a, a game between these two uh, was bound to look like. Again, Texas Tech had been playing with more tempo, with more pace, uh, higher scoring. Uh, but when you have these two teams that have the same focus, that same defensive uh, mindset, uh, it was bound to kind of look like football on hardwood. So uh, it, it just kind of is what it is. Uh, not a lot of production coming off the bench. Day uh, Day Ames, high ankle sprain. Sounds like he's. It's not going to be long term. Um, but he he wasn't able to play. Dorian Finister played a bunch. Um, got four minutes from R.J. Two minutes from Jarrell. Uh, no scoring from either one of those guys. Four points for Dorian. Two uh, turnovers. Zero assists. Three rebounds. Um, Cam Carter, 15 points. Four rebounds. Two assists. Arthur Kluma, 10 points. Three assists. Six rebounds. Uh, four of 10 from the field. Again, 
Uh, I, I would have liked to see Cam and uh, Arthur be a little bit more aggressive down the stretch. Um, but but it is what it is. I, look, I there's so much blame to go around in a tight game like that. Uh, I know a lot of folks also want to go after the referees for missing that uh, travel call. Um, look, that gets missed in every single college basketball game um, that's played. Every single game is going to have a play like that where the travel isn't called. Um, the referee missed it. The referee shouldn't miss it, um, but the referee did. Um, I'm not going to get hung up on that. Um, when you look at the long scoring droughts that we went on to start and end the game, um, that's where the blame lies, in my opinion. Uh, I think it goes back on the coaching staff. I think it goes back on your three-star players. Um, and it's a frustrating game. Again, I hope it is not a situation where you are sitting back on selection Sunday and you know, you're, you end up a one seed in the NIT instead of dancing, or you end up in Dayton instead of being a 10 seed. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see. That's my melodramatic, that's me and my feels. I'm, I mean, I'm still frustrated as all hell about the game. But the silver lining, um, because I, I do think there is a silver lining. You, you saw the team, granted it was really for only one stretch, you know, you got over 25% of your points, uh, in a very hot stretch during that 20-0 run. Um, but you saw flashes of how good this team could be. You saw this team go in and battle, and I would imagine probably the second toughest atmosphere they're going to see this season. Um, we'll see what it looks like when they go up to Ames. I guess they do have to go to BYU. Um, but that might be the second most hostile environment they play in outside of Allen Fieldhouse later on this winter. Um, and they were able to go toe-to-toe. And is Texas Tech a top 25 team? I don't think so. Um, do I think that they're going to have a, a massive season here in the Big 12? I don't know what their schedule looks like, but I'd be surprised if they finished much higher than 6th or 7th. Um, but it is a feisty team. It is a rowdy crowd, and, and you saw K-State go toe-to-toe with them. Um, I, I, I think you can be encouraged by that. I think you can be encouraged by seeing this team not fold up and just say, hey, it wasn't our day uh, when Tech gets up early, when it looks like um, they are, are going to kind of run you out of the building there for a little bit in the first half. Now, I, I, I think we saw, especially late in the game, Texas Tech want it more. Um, and that's a little frustrating seeing that uh, it, it really it gave you a little bit of Nebraska flashbacks that, that final uh, eight. I guess it's more the final three minutes, the final eight minutes, but the final three minutes, final five minutes, hell. Um, just during the stretch of that game, and that's a little frustrating, and it's probably unfair to say they wanted it more, but they made the hustle plays. They were getting the offensive rebounds. They were uh, getting to the rim. They were drawing the fouls, whether or not it should have been a travel or not. They did the small things correct. K-State made some boneheaded plays, um, and when you factor all that together, the fact that you still had the ball down one with 30 seconds when you played uh, that badly at times, when you had some of that stuff going against you, I, I'm encouraged. I think that tells me that when you're going on the road, I mean, when you look at the road schedule, uh, you're going to Iowa State, and I'm not not gonna, I'm not going to put Houston uh, in that boat. Although you know, I think they are kind of realizing. 
uh, life in the Big 12 might be a little rough. But, you know, you're going to Iowa State. You're going to Oklahoma State. You're going to BYU. You're going to Texas. Um, you're going to Cincinnati. I'm not going to throw KU in that. But it gives me a little bit more confidence that this team can go and play some of those middle class, upper middle class, lower middle class, Big 12 teams and get a few more wins on the road than I was anticipating. So um, I'm a little bit encouraged there. Then you also have to say, look, I, I, I'm i not going to excuse the roster building mistakes um, and, and some of the recruiting mistakes uh, that I think the basketball program has made. Um you know, I, I think even Jerome Tang would sit here and say uh, that they made a couple mistakes in the portal uh, for, for this season. Uh, but you didn't anticipate Naquan Tomlin not being available. And when you do get Quez Glover, you think he's going to play. So, again, you, you get a couple of those curveballs. And even with the self-inflicted mistakes on, uh, you know, some of the decisions, the the fact that, that we're having this conversation – um, I think says a lot about the way Coach Tang coaches the players. I, I think even seeing the development in season just over the last month and a half with David Gasson and what he's been able to do the last handful of games, uh, even Dorian Finister, a guy I wrote off. Again, I, I don't think he's great, but he's able to give you bench minutes. He's able to be a hustle guy. I'd like his defense to be a little bit better. Um but he, but he can, you know, finish at the rim. He can backdoor you. So we, we've seen the improvement there. I, I think it says a lot about the development and buy-in of the roster um, that that we can we can be talking about. Hey, can this team get to the NCAA tournament? I don't think there's a lot of uh, you know non-blue blood type rosters that can have some of those recruiting portal mistakes lose two players that you were counting on uh, to be 25 plus minute uh, you know type of guys uh, losing those um, really in season for both those guys and still be talking about hey this team can still get to the NCAA tournament and I would still predict it I, I still think this team is gonna end up you know somewhere around a 9 10 11 seed. Um, I'm, I'm hoping they can stay away from Dayton, but I do think this team is going to hear their name called on Selection Sunday. Now as we turn our attention to Tuesday with Baylor, uh, look, they're, they're not a- any team that I, I think uh, that you need to be shaking in your boots. You know, they, They're going to come in probably, I mean, they came into the week uh, you know, ranked 14th. They beat Baylor. A tight game with Cincinnati. I mean, I mean, they might, you know, get into the top twelve. I don't know if they're going to be a top ten team uh, when the rankings come out on Monday. Um, but, but I don't think this is a team that should be uh, seen as unbeatable by any means. Uh, they went to the wire, like I said, with Cincinnati. Uh, they had to go to overtime on the road with what I, I think is a bad Oklahoma State team. They lost on the road. They got blown out on the road uh, versus what is turning out to be is a, an absolute just dog dog shit Michigan State team. Um, you know, they lost that game by 24 points. Uh, so, so this is not this is not a Baylor team that I think needs to be striking fear into anybody. Um, you know, they have Jaco- uh, Jaco- Jacoby Walt- Walter back. Yeah, excuse me. 
and, and he's going to be a guy where you have to uh, really, you're, you're probably going to have to have Cam Carter guarding um, and, and putting pressure on. Um, they got uh, Ray J. Dennis, uh, another guy who is a uh, portal guy. He's their second leading scorer. And then they have uh, Love, Langston Love, and uh, Jalen Bridgers. Uh, Bridges, excuse me, as the other uh, you know double-digit scorers. They they do have a big seven-footer, uh, what seven foot two thirty-five out of Canada, uh, Missy M I S S I. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that first name. Um, so so they're going to be able to do some things. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I think the hope, at least what my hope is, is uh, Tang's voodoo magic o- over. Uh, you know, his former boss is still around. He's still going to know this uh, roster, a lot of these guys on the roster. I think he is going to, well, not a lot of the guys. I mean, with the way with the way teams turn over, uh, he, he's actually not going to know a ton of these guys. But he's going to know exactly what, uh, you know, Scott Drew's going to want to do. Uh, he's going to know exactly what Alvin Brooks is whispering in him. He still knows what these guys are thinking inside and out. And I think this is a game that uh, we can hopefully get out and uh, exploit. It, it's not a um, it, it's not a team that strikes a bunch of fear. It's not a team that I think is capable of getting up big early and just running away. And, and that's when the crowd really can help take over. So um, look, look with that loss, uh, you know, on the road to Texas Tech, uh, this is one that you really need. Um, Coming into um, you know the the second second uh, duo of games, uh, you know you start two zero. I, I think I came on here and I think I posted it somewhere and maybe I tweeted it. Maybe I said in the group chat. I don't know. I said that if you can go one and one, if you can go one and one, and then be coming uh, to Bramlage, staying in Bramlage uh, with Oklahoma State and at Iowa State again, you continue to go one and one. Um, and then set yourself up for a shot again. Uh, you got Houston and then Oklahoma to end January. If you can end January plus two in, in conference play, two above 500, that is going to be absolutely massive. I don't think you can do that without beating Baylor. Um, again, if you drop that game, uh, you do find yourself in a situation where you're having to go out and find. Uh, you're, you're having to go out and find uh, the the other wins somewhere else. You're going to have to pick up wins elsewhere. Uh, so I think on the backs of a good Bramlage crowd, I think on the backs of Jerome Tank getting this team up, and he's done such a great job uh, keeping things truly as a one-game season. I, I think Coach Tank says a lot of things that I don't believe uh, especially talking about how the, they don't read stuff on Twitter, online, or anything. I, I think they they see, read, and hear everything. Uh, but I do believe him when he says he coaches them one game season, and, and I truly believe that. So that that has me. I, I'm not feeling confident. You know, if you put a gun to my head, I'm saying like a 74-73 game, uh, K State in a gut wrenching hell of a game, holding on. Um, doing what they weren't able to do uh, down in West Texas, but I, I, I just I, I just feel like they're going to be able to get it done 
on Tuesday uh, with Baylor. So tweet at me your predictions. Let me know. Again, I don't have a great scouting report. I'm not going to pretend to know basketball X's and O's inside and out, so I apologize for that. But I think this is a Baylor team that uh, K-State can take down. And I'm going to be looking for a big game from Cam Carter. Again, I I think uh, especially driving, getting to the rim, and he's the guy who I I believe has an ability to get fouled, get to the free throw line and hit them. Um, I I think we're going to be leaning on him big time. I'm hoping to see Arthur Kaluma uh, shoot the ball a little bit more, uh, try to get to the rim a little bit more, uh, and get back to that 15-point range. Again, I, I think if you can have Cam Carter... Uh, Tyler Perry and Arthur Kunluma. I think if you can get all three of those guys at 15 points or above, I, I think I think K State's going to have a good shot at getting it done on Tuesday night. Um, that's all we have for the men's basketball team. Again, let me know. Let me know your thoughts. Am, am, am I freaking out a little too much? Am I am I being a little too soft in my old age? Uh, do you think that we're going to dog walk Baylor or they're going to dog walk us? Is it going to be a blowout on Tuesday? Let me know your thoughts. Uh, let's have a little back and forth at Scott Wildcat at Bosco's Boys. Uh, before we talk about the women, let's talk about Charlie er, uh, about Manhattan Brewing Company. I'll always shout out Charlie House. I'll always shout out Manhattan Brewing Company. Folks, they got some great beers going on. Um, on Twitter, if you're on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, there was a great thread of folks tweeting in where they've been finding Manhattan Brewing Company here in Johnson County. Again, it doesn't matter if you're in Johnson County, if you're in Wichita, if you're in Goodland, if you're in Liberal, if you're in Osborne. I don't know if Osborne has liquor stores or what. Uh, but wherever your local liquor store is, be sure to tell them, hey, I want, I want some Manhattan Brewing Company four-packs in here. They want to sell you beer. Uh, so they're going to try to make it happen. Of course, you know I'm going to get a pint, a couple four-packs, and a couple crowlers uh, before the game on Tuesday uh, because that's what you got to do. That's part of the routine when you go to Manhattan for a basketball game. Again, you got a doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, see the women play KU. Get on over to Points Avenue, have a couple brews, then get back to Bramlage for K-State versus Oklahoma State. Couldn't be any better. Uh, so check out Manhattan Brewing Company, the best brewery in the state of Kansas. It is the spot to go before, after, hell, even during. If you're not going to the game, they have it on. Best spot to be, Manhattan Brewing Company on Points Avenue. All right, let's talk about the women. Look, uh, the K-State women, even when I start getting nervous, even when I'm like, oh, man, I feel like Texas is trying to trying to pull, pull it out here a little bit, uh, they absolutely have a massive fourth quarter. Um, they were going toe-to-toe. Look, if you weren't able to watch uh, K-State, Texas, going toe-to-toe, just a knockout, drag-out brawl, uh, you know, in the uh, in the first three quarters. And, again, ba- women's basketball quarters instead of halves. Um, you know, Texas, you know, up two, up one, up one, tied. Uh, K-State up to – it literally was back and forth the entire game. Um, K-State's defense is next level. So the number one, the number one player in field goal percentage in women's basketball plays for Texas. You might have been thinking I was going to say Aokali. No. It is senior Taylor Jones for Texas. Again, we talk about how great Aokali is on offense, but she held the nation's field goal percentage leader to a one-for-seven night. 
one for seven night. If you look at Texas's players outside of Booker and Moore, which I mean, they're Texas. They they were a top ten team for a reason. They are good. Um, but you really took away the entire team outside of those two. They did such a great job at defense. They held Texas to fifty eight points. 58 points they held the mighty Texas Longhorns to. I'm scrolling through there. I mean, shocker. I, I this is that's their season low by like over 15 points, by 15 or 16 points. This team, whether you want to give credit to the idea, uh, sorry, by 11 points. Uh, whether you uh, nine points again, sorry, no, 12 points, 12 points. I had it right, 12 points. Um. Whether you want to give credit to the Gapco, whether you want to give credit to uh, Jeff Mitty challenging this team to step it up on defense, whether you just want to give credit saying, hey, you got a, you got some ballers on this team. You have a team full of dogs, a team full of uh, uh, good athletes, great athletes with just a want-to to play defense. I don't care who you give the credit to, how you give the credit out. This team on defense is absolutely just a pack of wolves. They're grabbing rebounds. They're blocking shots. It, it truly is a lot of fun. And again, it was a physical game. It was a physical game. I, I had someone tweet at me and was like, you know, hey, is women's basketball is it always this physical? No, it's not always this physical. But K-State has the ability to play this type of game. What's fun about this win if you go back and you compare this game to the Iowa game in Iowa City, the one that you won, K-State has two, uh, and hell, even even down in the islands where they beat North Carolina and the one they went head-to-head with Iowa, they have proven they can win a million different ways. If you want to turn this into a brawl, Jeff Mitty's team can play that way. If you want to run, if you want to have a scoring competition, guess what? They can play that way as well. And they're finding different ways to win and getting big-time contributions for more than just Aoka Lee. Again, Aoka Lee, I, I feel like, I mean, I feel like everyone is almost getting to the point where her greatness is, I don't want to say underappreciated, but, but, but I think it kind of is underappreciated uh, because we now just kind of expect so much from her. In that game, she set uh, the new uh, career high in block shots in K-State's history. She became the second active 2,000-point, 1,000-rebound player in college basketball. Guess what? The other one is on her fifth year of eligibility because of some injuries and stuff. This Sayokali is just her fourth season playing basketball. She has 21 points. She has 10 rebounds. She has four block shots. Zero turnovers. Perfect from the free throw line. She, she. We, we talked about Cooper Beebe saying, "Hey, we need to stop talking about Cooper Beebe just being one of the greatest linemen that K State's ever had, and start talking about him being on the Mount Rushmore of K State football players, one of the best football players." Full stop. I mean, even forget putting the women's basketball qualifier on it. Aokali is probably the best basketball player to ever lace it up for Kansas State University. What she's able to do, how she's able to dominate, the way she completely changes the game, not only on offense but on defense as well. 
I mean, folks, we will never see a player as dominant as Aokali. And she is getting, she was just getting hammered all night by Texas. Three girls fouling her at once and getting no calls. She's able to keep her cool. She's not a hothead. She's not out there. And look, I, I think it's good for, for basketball, uh, for women's basketball as a whole, to have, you know, trash talk, have these big personalities. I, I think it is good. So this is not meant to be a shot at Caitlin Clark. This is not t- supposed to be a shot at Angel Reese. This is not a shot at anyone. But the fact that Aoka Lee isn't demonstrative, the fact that she doesn't, you know, go crazy going after the refs, the way she is just, just foul, just, I mean, it truly looks like a football drill with running backs out there, the way they're going at her. Anytime she has the ball going up for a shot or trying to get an entry pass, the fact that she isn't an extreme hothead is beyond it to me. You know, Jeff Mitty does a good job. Uh, working the rest, but I'm also shocked that he hasn't had more technicals, seeing what Aokali has to put up with game in, game out. But she, she truly is the GOAT. I, I feel like we throw that around too often, uh, but but I do truly be, uh, believe that she is uh, the, the greatest basketball player to ever play at K-State. Uh, Serena Sundell, again, I, I think she gets overshadowed um, in her own greatness, again, you know, she's an all Big 12 caliber player. She would be a uh, bigger name amongst K-State fans if Aoka Lee wasn't on this team. She has 12 points. She has a block, five assists, six rebounds. And that block, talk about sports center top 10. Here, Here's Texas going in for a layup, uh, trying to extend their lead right before the fourth quarter. Nope, Serena Sundell, block amazing pass to Zan Walker, who then hits a buzzer-beating three-point shot to put K-State up uh, going into the fourth quarter. Seriously, one of the best sequences I've ever seen for any sport ever. Just truly amazing. Uh, Walker, uh, Wichita zone, nine points, five rebounds, three assists, and a steal off the bench in 31 minutes. Gabby Gregory, uh, she... uh, Rolled up her ankle multiple times. She had a rough game. 25 uh, minutes. She never was truly able to get into the game. And, and I got to say this about Gabby Gregory. Um, she's going to be, the, there's going to be a game where we need Gabby Gregory to go off for 30. And she was the leading scorer uh, for a game earlier in Big 12 play. But what she's been able to sacrifice in her own game for the greater good of the team with Aoka Lee back. Um, sticking around because, hey, she wants to be part of a team that makes a run in March Madness. Uh, the selflessness of Gabby Gregory is second to none. So I, I just want to give her a shout-out. And I will say, uh, K-State needs her to be healthy because if there is a, a uh, bigger guard, if there's an athletic guard, uh, she has to be the one who, who who's guarding her because she she's able to have a little bit of stout defense to her game. And I think we saw a couple times... Uh, things get a little exposed without her on the court, so I'm hoping she's bounced back. I hope she's a full go for TCU midweek uh, down in Fort Worth, so we'll see what happens there. Um, Jalen Glenn, 10 points, uh, an- another great game from her. I think that's, what, three straight games in double figures for her. Um, we already talked about Serena Sundell. Uh, Briley Glenn, look, I, I-, I know the... I know the instinct for for folks to say, hey, 
let, let's move her to the bench and let, let's get Walker into the game. Um, when she's out there, she's able to give a lot of great defense. But at the same time, look, I mean, if you look at their minutes, I think Jeff Mitty is being a proper custodian of playing time. I, I, I truly believe that he knows exactly what he's doing despite, you know, me running my mouth last year and look, I'm a crazy fan as well. I I think Jeff Mitty is properly shepherding this team uh, and I'm all on board with his rotations and how he's doing things. So um, it was an entertaining game. I loved uh, hearing how loud, how intense the crowd was getting. Uh, And I'm hoping to see something similar Saturday early afternoon um, because, you know, selfishly, I, I am going to be able to make it up for that one. Uh, and hell, who doesn't like beating KU no matter the sport? So uh, if you're on the fence, you know, do a doubleheader. I've had a lot of fun in the past doing doubleheaders in Manhattan. Um, so KU, 9-7, and seven, but again, they beat Baylor uh, quite handily uh, at home. Uh, and they, they beat Oklahoma State. So they seem to be getting hot. They're going to Austin midweek. Uh, before that, hopefully the top ten Wildcats again. I, I can't imagine how uh, I can't imagine how how they wouldn't be. But hey, I've been shocked before. Going to TCU, they were flirting uh, in, in the top twenty-five there, uh, but they're currently on a four-game losing streak. If you look at the Big Twelve standings, they're only one and four. K State five and zero, tied with Iowa State. Iowa State beating Baylor. Uh, giving the Baylor women a second straight loss. Um, I mean, I don't know. Man, (laughs) I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but you could be seeing an absolutely massive uh, matchup on Valentine's Day between Iowa State and uh, K-State in Hilton Coliseum. Uh, Because, look, I I think, you know, they, they put out, they do put out betting lines uh, for women's basketball, I would be shocked with how hot Iowa State currently is. Uh, if they're underdogs any game from here on out, outside of maybe their trip to West Virginia, uh, I don't think that is going to be the same for K State. K State has a little bit of a tougher run in uh, before that first matchup with Iowa State um, because they are at Baylor next Monday. Uh, so a week from today, they're at Baylor 7 30. Um, so look, I, I, I don't know if this team's going to be able to run the table. I don't know if this team is going to be able to, uh, make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, but they can, they control their own destiny from here on out. Now, now again, we talked about it last week. It is going to be a difficult, uh, schedule. Uh, cause like we said, TCU, I mean, whatever you should beat TCU and KU, um, but anything can happen in women's basketball. But then you're at Baylor, you host BYU, you're on the road to Oklahoma, who did a really good job for uh, three quarters of that game versus Aokalee. Then you're at Texas uh, before you get Oklahoma State at home, and then you have that big meeting on Valentine's Day with Iowa State. So I, I think the key for this team, if we want to be talking Big 12 championship, is stay within a game of Iowa State with that easier schedule. Um, you know, split that rematch with Texas and, and going on the road to Baylor. And I think you're going to set yourself up for a, uh, you know, a run here uh, through February and then the first weekend in March before the Big 12 tournament uh, where you could be cutting down the nets and bringing home some new trophies to Manhattan. So check them out. Um, 
Uh, it was on ESPNU, the uh, two games uh, this past week, uh, both Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. ESPN Plus, and then Saturday, 1 p.m. ESPN Plus. But again, home game versus KU. Who doesn't like beating KU? Uh, so consider trying to get to Bramlage if you can for that game on Saturday. Wrapping up with some football again, nothing too crazy. Again, um, you know some high-profile wide receivers uh, coming on visits uh, over the last couple weeks. Uh, classes start on Tuesday, so uh, are we going to see announcements? Are they just going to show up on the roster? Um, we'll, we'll keep you a, a foot of anything happening uh, when it comes to transfer portal additions. But what I do want to talk about is the Washington uh, head coaching search. Um, you're probably thinking to yourself, Scott, why? This seems weird. Um, for those living under a rock, Nick Saban uh, retires um, after a coaching search that kind of bounced around and seemingly every single one of Jimmy Sexton's, uh, you know, Contracted coaches, all of his clients get big fat raises to stay where they are. Kalen DeBoer from Washington um, goes down to Alabama. Very funny, um, not funny, but but his final address to the uh, to the team got leaked. Uh, it's interesting to hear some of that again. Not funny, but it's interesting to hear that. Um, but Washington then started going through a coaching search where. They told their offensive coordinator, no, we want someone with head coaching experience. And the reason why I want to bring this up is the future of the Big 12, every single every single job that opens up in the Big 10 and SEC, uh, you're going to hear Chris Kleiman's name attached to it. And also our friends to the east, uh, if you're placed in Manhattan, uh, you know, the, the Kansas Jayhawks and even Matt Campbell uh, up north. And just like, you know, a ton of other jobs, um, they they were listed for the Washington job. Hell, when, when people were seemingly saying no to Alabama, when really I think it was uh, just a, a racket to get some guys some raises, you started seeing Chris Kleiman's name pop up with Alabama. Uh, the Washington job opens up. Sure enough, Chris Kleiman, Lance Leipold, Matt Campbell, uh, and, and Jed Fish uh, at Arizona. Again, uh, the best coaches in the Big 12. Um, outside of Gundy, who's a nutcase, and no one's going to interview him again. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. I think it says something, whether we like it or not, that... Despite seemingly having interest from a lot of jobs, Matt Campbell continues to choose to stay at Iowa State. And despite like a two-hour-long uh, moment on Sunday, today as I'm recording this, uh, that all the insiders were saying Lance Leipold was going to go to Washington, uh, Lance Leipold staying. And of course, Chris Kleiman, he, he's not going anywhere. There's one job that I might freak out about, but I'm not going to worry about Chris Kleiman until that moment. And even then, I, I think Chris Kleiman will retire at K-State. Fish at uh, Arizona is another story. He took that Washington job, um, and, and he's the new coach there. 
And I think it says a lot about these, you know, old Big 8 schools having an investment and a desire to win, having a desire to keep their coaches around. And I think it probably is shocking to some of those Arizona fans um, that are losing their coach when seemingly, uh, you know, the other three had offers on the table to go to Washington and chose to stay where they are. Um, I think even shocking to Washington fans, it got to that point that they had to go with seemingly third or fourth option. Now, I think that's a great hire. And Washington, of course, is spinning it like this is the only guy. This is the only guy. Well, guess what? That's every single coaching search when very rarely is that actually true. But I think it says a lot about the future of the Big 12 and especially uh, this little trio of programs that we that have a nice little rivalry uh, that they continue to be able to thwart away some of these uh, you know, seemingly better, bigger jobs and all this type of stuff that I don't even think that's true. You know, I, I, I think I think I would much rather be the head coach at K-State than Washington, uh, even with them going to the Big Ten. Uh, and I, I think it's going to continue to baffle the national media. I think it's going to baffle different fan bases, but especially with Chris Kleiman, because honestly, I couldn't care less about what Lance Leipold or Matt Campbell decides to do. But especially for Chris Kleiman, I think he is proving himself to K-State Nation, to the fan base, that he is truly invested in winning in doing things the right way and doing it in Manhattan, Kansas, working for his good friend Gene Taylor. And I could not be more pumped about it. I can't wait for this next football season. And, and again, I, I can't wait for the future for Chris Common. Now, is he going to coach until he's 80? No. No, if you put a gun to my head, I think he's probably he has probably less than seven and a half seasons left. Um, I, 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 th- I don't think he, he doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to uh, coach deep into his age. But I think K-State are going to be contenders every single one of those years. I think they're going to be going to bowl games every single one of those years. And I think Chris Kleiman is going to put himself and his resume and his stats and his accolades up there to a point where uh, obviously no one's ever going to catch Bill Snyder for total wins, probably bowl appearances, any of this type of stuff. But I don't think anyone's going to touch Chris Kleiman at number two for a lot of those stats as well. And I think when it's all said and done, we're going to be looking at a you know 12, 10 to 12 year career at K State where he you know ends up with 80, 90, or 80, 85, 90 wins. I don't I don't know how many wins he's going to end up with, uh, but but a great career. And I think that we are going to be able to celebrate Chris Kleiman retiring at K State. And I think he's proving that. And I think. Fans need to keep this in mind uh, when these different jobs pop up and everyone says, oh, Chris Kleiman this, Chris Kleiman that. I think everyone uh, should should be calm until Kirk Ferentz retires, and that time's probably coming sooner rather than later. But even then, I don't think it's a done deal. I, I truly believe that Gene Taylor and Chris Kleiman both will end their careers at K-State, probably in pretty close proximity to each other. Um, so I, I told... Countless K-State fans, this do not worry one iota about the Washington job. They wanted him. Chris Kleiman had no interest. Uh, and I think there's going to be a ton of those stories 
uh, over the next, you know, seven to eight years. Um, so rest easy, fans. Chris Kleiman's going to be here, and he's going to win uh, multiple. He's going to still win at least two more Big 12 titles. That's all we have. I hope you guys are having a great Monday. Uh, I know it's a holiday uh, weekend. Martin Luther King Day uh, today on Monday. Um, I, I know K-State, the university, does a lot of stuff surrounding uh, the two weekends, uh, bookending Martin Luther King Day, um, starting this past weekend, going into next weekend, uh doing community service, trying to better the university community, the Manhattan community. I know a lot of that goes on uh, throughout the country um, today as you guys are listening, the past weekend, all week, into next weekend. Um, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King, massive history connected to K-State. His final uh, college campus speech was in a Hearn uh, Fieldhouse. Um, and, and I think that we all need to continue to strive to get to that point, uh, you know, that, that I have a dream speech. Uh, I think it would do everyone a, a, a lot of good to listen to that and try to move forward uh, and, and working towards that vision, uh, especially with love and unity instead of hate and division. Um, so that's all I have to say. Um, we love you guys. For Chauncey, the best dog in the world, my name is Scott McFarland. Uh, like I said, we love you guys. Truthfully, we love you guys. And go Cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea, onward UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight.
Podcast Network.